Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. And the, the amazing thing is, as we get closer to the Lord, the more we see him, the clearer we see him. And the clearer we see him, and the more we know him, this amazing mixture of love and reverence or awe begins to emerge in our life. The awe of God, how we see him and feel loved by him and also feel like I need to get some stuff straight. Are you with me? There's a part of us, we're reading Romans chapter one. If you want to go back and read Romans chapter one over and over again, that's awesome. And it is convicting as we move to, toward him, we are being transformed into his likeness. And if you even move over into Romans chapter eight, which is another awesome passage, the Bible says that we're actually predestined to be made into the image of God. When you choose Jesus, actually there's a predestined part of all of us that was made and designed to be transformed and shaped into the image of God. In fact, it was made and designed to be in a love relationship with the Father God himself. And in that relationship, we're designed to be transformed into his likeness. Pre-decided, predetermined that every single one of us could unlock this internal potential to be made in the image or allow the image of God to be revealed in us through knowing him. It's kind of dope, as they would say. It's kind of awesome. It comes at a price. Knowing him comes at a price. And when we fear him, all kinds of things emerge. And so we, we have to understand and know that we were made to be in a relationship with the father and having a dad has its perks. And having a dad, in those perks, one of the perks that we would say maybe we don't like in the moment but appreciate over time is discipline, is correction. And the Bible shows us that to know God and to be in relationship with him is to be disciplined and corrected by him at the same time. And it actually signifies that we have a father. Proverbs 3.5. Let's dive in. Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I always translate this in the Josh translation. If I was ever allowed to translate the Bible and anyone would then respect it and read it, <laughs> it would say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own pea brain. An extreme limited perspective, right? You might read that in the Amplified somewhere or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds more like the message. Okay, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. How many of y'all like to hike on a straight path? Some of you psychos like those curvy, super high ones. I'm like, that's not the hiking I like. I like hiking that's like this and like this. Power line pass. I was just thinking that. Come on. It's like, that's the, that's the hike for me. Flat and straight. In the mountains already. Drive up the mountains. I'm hiking in the mountains. Not like this, but like this and like this. That's the way I want to serve God. I hope you do too, but the key is that we can't lean on our own pea brains and limited perspectives. We have to trust in the Lord, but trusting in the Lord is scary. This is why it requires courage to serve the Lord because it's scary. God, I'm also in fear and awe of you, but I'm afraid of trusting you because I have to let go and trust in what you know and who you are versus what I know and who I am. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord 
and shun evil. See how there's a relationship when I fear God, I instantly push away evil. So it's like this concept of shunning evil is like shoving away from the table, like I'm not eating that anymore. I'm gonna shun it, I'm gonna, or Dwight Schrute, shun, unshun, shun. Okay, depends on how you wanna think about it. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Good promise. I like some of that. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops or increase. This is a tithe message, by the way. I mean, I'm not teaching on tithe right now, but this piece right here is when we fear God, we give of our life to him. We trust in his ways. We bring him our first fruits of all of our increase. And then he promises this, that our barns will be filled to overflowing. Our vats will brim over with new wine. One of the first ways that you can learn and test yourself in the fear of the Lord is to start tithing, bringing the tithe that belongs to him back to him and going, oh God, I am gonna trust you, not the church, even though you bring your tithe to the storehouse, which is the local church, you're trusting God with that, not leaders with that. You're bringing it back to him and you're trusting him actually with the 90% you have left over and go like, oh, okay, I'm Lord, I'm gonna fear you more than trust in my own understanding. I challenge you all, church, try it. It would be amazing to be leading in a church where 100% of all of the believers in the house tithe. We would stop talking about like limitations and finance, right? And empowerment like of the resources and the things of God begin to exponentially multiply. I don't know if a church has ever done it. And, and, and what would happen if that happened? Like not only in your own personal life we're blessed, but then we're blessed as a whole house. Like exponential blessing I think would come on the house because of the fear of the Lord. My son... Do not despise the Lord's discipline. This comes back to not only giving, but how we fear him. Okay? Don't despise the discipline. Discipline works kind of two ways. I'm going to discipline myself to do what is right. And discipline also is about getting corrected when I'm off track. How many of y'all know? We all need discipline. And we all hate it. We intuitively do not like discipline. But somewhere in us, we know it's for our own good. Do not resist his rebuke. How many of you guys parent kids? I parented a few. And some I choose not to parent, others I do. Just kidding. I parent them all. <laughs> I parent them all. All the ones that belong to me anyway, and some that don't. You know when your kid, like I said, was going to say son, because mostly my sons rebuke, resist rebuke. But you know when your kid, he re, they resist rebuke, what happens? You just lean in stronger. You're like, listen, you don't, especially when your kids are little, you're like, I have a bigger hammer than you. Like, you think you're getting away with this. You're just, it's not going to happen. Like. I used to tell my kids, I'd be like, you get to choose how many spankings you get. Do you want, we would like always give three for disobeying, four for bad attitudes, okay? That was just kind of like our rule. I don't like bad attitudes. Either. But if they resisted, they always got an extra one. But I'd always wait. I'd be like, hey, listen, you get to choose this. They start manifesting. I'm like, I love you. I don't want to have to correct you, but I love you enough to correct you. And I need you to chill and fall in love with this moment. <laughs> Do you want three spankings or four spankings? Choose right now. If you resist, you're choosing four or five, depending on where they're starting from. I have, I've been in your house. Here we go. This is loving correction. Because one of the things we never do, I want to just say this about parenting, and we'll get it out. Who knows where I'm going to go about this. But um, 
with fathering and parenting your children, um, we always do it out of love, not out of anger. God never disciplines us out of his anger. It's always from his love. God's wrath came on people. Okay? And when that happened, their life was over. That's a little different than discipline and correction, okay? Because they're getting back on track. Are you with me? And that even his anger comes from his love, the way God does it. But in our anger, it's off track, usually all the time. It's very rare that we trust our own anger comes from this super loving place. So I just want to challenge you all to lovingly correct that God wants to lovingly correct all of us. And when he wants us to lovingly correct our children. And so that requires patience upon patience upon patience to parent kids. Right? And I'm telling you right now, I still got a daddy. He's still alive. And I need a parenting every once in a while. My old man still takes me behind the woodshed and shows me the way more perfectly. And, and, and I, don't, I don't need a spanking, like a physical one. That'd be hard for him to do now. But, but do I resist it? Do I love it? I don't like it, but I know it's good for me. And so I want to lean into even my own natural father's correction when he sees something in my life or spiritual father's correction that I need a rebuke and not resisting it. Because, here's verse 12, the Lord disciplines those he loves. This is a belief shift we need to understand in the fear of the Lord is as we fear him and know him and move toward him, it also requires or it, it, it is part of the deal, part of the perks of having a good heavenly father is we also get corrected. Wow. The Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Spanking my kids. Love you. They're like, Daddy, you delight in me. That's how it goes. <laughs> in our home, they're like, thank you so much. <laughs> Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Isn't this amazing of how we, this is all embedded in this understanding about correction. You, we find wisdom in discipline and correction. Loving discipline and correction actually reveals wisdom to us. It's kind of amazing. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Unfortunately, the way that we gain wisdom and understanding one of the most powerful ways that we do is through discipline. Discipline of life and behavior and being disciplined and corrected by lo the loving Father. Doing right and being corrected to get it right. You with me? It comes through pain and suffering is how we gain wisdom and understanding. And that's kind of lame. And it's also kind of awesome. But this perk that we get from having a good heavenly father, um, we have to believe in our heart that having a loving father is connected to, and there's a value, we have to actually believe that this value of having this loving father and this, this, this need for correction is for our own good. If we don't really believe that, then we're going to push it away. Kids push away discipline, and young people push away uh, correction because they don't believe you. 
They don't believe us that what we're doing is for their own good. They actually believe what they think as a three-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old, whatever, eight, 10, 13, 15, 17, I don't know. I got, I got them all ages. I got 27 to 13. I got, I got all kinds of mixes. We've been, we've been in it all. And every season of every kids of my life, they all have needed instruction and correction. And in the midst of all of that, some of them believe me and some of them don't. And as an earthly, like, dad, I'm not always right. So there's, there's reason for them to doubt. Are you with me? So, like, there are times when we make mistakes and we're wrong and we're like, ooh, you. guess that wasn't exactly what the Lord wanted. One time I had it in my head that I had this really wrong belief about God. And thank God that the Lord shifted this for me. Is I actually believe that when I did wrong, and somebody taught me this, so I'm going to blame them, Okay that God would move away from me because of my sin. And then at this one moment, I got this in my head that I was going to try that with one of my kids. It was really sad. Okay, I'm sharing something I kind of feel bad about. And there, one of my kids kind of made some mistakes, and then I created distance, and I sort of like shunned them. And it broke their heart. I'm not going to say which one. And... It wasn't but maybe a week or two. And we had kind of repaired, you know, we like worked it out. And then the Lord thumped me. He's like, do you think that's who I am? That I would pull away from you in your sin? You'd never find me if I was like that. and, And the Lord reminded me of how much of a sinner and how terrible I was when he saved me. He's like, how could I even came to you when you were so stinky and gross in the first place? And so I got a real good thumping and correction. My wife helped me out with some of that too, by the way. (laughs) Sometimes the father's voice sounds like your wife. It's an amazing thing that happens. (laughs) She's getting a little too excited over there. Little too excited. Simmer down. Simmer down, okay? Let's not go crazy. <laughs> if I can shift in my mind, and I hope some scripture here is going to help you shift this, and maybe this will shift for you, is the most powerful thing you could do is believe today. Not just try to conform your behaviors to what you kind of like think will make you feel accepted, but instead that you would transform and shift what you see is right and true. And what is real is that we have a good heavenly father and he loves us. He instructs us. He corrects us, embraces us, cares for us, listens to us, protects us, guards us, directs us, forgives us, and accepts us right where we are all the time. And when we're in sin, this same good heavenly father says, come to me boldly when you're jacked up. Because I died for you. The blood of my son covers all your sins. Your best and safest place is with me. That's who we serve. That is the God we serve. You can find this all over in scripture, but you have to first believe that's true. And if you could shift that belief, it will change the way you approach him It will change the way we approach him every day, and it'll shift our love for correction. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, fools despise wisdom and discipline. Being a fool is knowing the truth but doing whatever you want anyway. Fools are not ignorant people. Fools are actually, they know what they're doing. They know the destruction they're doing. They understand where it leads, and they decide they don't care. And they want what they want, and they want the benefits, and they actually sometimes hope that the, that the, the rewards or the, the uh, fruit of what they invest in their foolishness won't actually come back to get them. The one part that they maybe don't believe is that 
actually discipline or correction will come now. So now this is a principle about discipline that I'm just going to throw in here, guys. Is that you're going to pay. Now or later. With discipline, correction, we're all going to pay. There's a, there is a cost to growth. There is a cost to transformation. And if you need, you really need to believe this second thing, is that the transformation that you're going to experience in your life, whether you want to or not, is going to come at a price. It's going to come at a small price now or a big price later. Now and later. This is how discipline works. Now, small. Later, big. Now, easier. Later, harder. I know I'm talking very simple. But we get confused really easy. And we think not exercising, eating well now won't pay a cost. Drinking too much now won't pay a cost. But now, easy to drink, medicate pain. Easy to not exercise, stay the same. Later, those disciplines, lack of discipline, ends up 50s, 60s, big cost. Hearing protection. Discipline now. Small cost. Boop. Putting my ear protection in. Boop, boop. Run my hammer. Run my saw. Stop complaining about sound systems here. I have a perfect hearing. I have, I have perfect hearing. I've lost no hearing. And I've been in more church services than all of you. And we measure it all. We run it all. Perfect. You can be in here for hours at the decibels we have because we understand the science. If you don't understand the science, don't complain. Okay. We run it all by science. You might lose hearing because guess what? You run hammers without ear protection. Little, it's real. You're like, oh, it's too much of a burden. I'm going to put my earplugs in. Discipline now. Little, little cost. I can hear my grandchildren when I'm older. <laughs> Big benefit. It is always like this in every way. And all of us have to fall in love with the understanding that we are going to pay. We're going to learn. God is going to teach us through big, hard circumstances or little, smaller ones. And sometimes we sign up and guess what? We're all knuckleheads at some level in our life, at some place where we need a bigger hammer, even if we don't want one and we're trying hard. You're just going to get one. Every kid needs a good spanking to understand discipline in their life. Every kid, they're hardwired. Every human being needs a little correction, a little pain in their life, so that they can understand that their father is good and loving when you're corrected and still accepted. This is the revelation I want us to get. Job chapter 5, verse 17. Blessed is the man whom God corrects. What? Blessed is the man whom God corrects. Blessed is the child whose father corrects, whose mother corrects. Whoms. That's a weird word. So do not despise discipline of the Almighty. Don't despise it. Don't refuse it. Don't shun it. Don't push it away. Proverbs 1 actually tells us that that discipline and, 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 and the fear of the Lord in the beginning is seeking this wisdom and understanding. It's just precious. It's just gold. It's the most important, most precious thing we can do is to gain wisdom and understanding from our earthly fathers, our natural fathers and mothers, and our spiritual father. And if you didn't hear the message on Tremble at His Word by Zach, you should listen to that message in the fear of the Lord. It will help you want and desire to read the Word of God the word of God will correct you and I. It corrects us. <clears throat> it shows us the shape of God and how we're out of alignment, how we ought to live and what is in our best interest. But it hurts. It hurts a little bit, sometimes a lot. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse five. And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, my son, do not make light of the Lord's 
discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Just pause. To be an illegitimate children, ch- child means that your father is absent, not present. Or your mother is absent and not present. And so many of us, and I'm not trying to make this hard on everyone, but the reality is, is that many of us have fathers that are absent. And in fact, in our nation, it's an epidemic right now. Fathers are absent. And in fact, mothers and fathers, even if they stay together in many homes, they are checked out. And we're medicating our kids with technology so that we don't have to deal with the pain of correcting and the pain of instructing and the pain of encouraging our children and knowing them. But God didn't design the, design the church to have illegitimate kids. And you can't control whether your fathers or mothers are going to do their God-given responsibility or not. Some of us, we're all grown up. That ship has already sailed, right? And, 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 and honestly, it isn't about your fathers or mothers serving Jesus or not. Hopefully when they serve Jesus, they do a better job on this. But my dad was a really good father and not saved at all. Totally unsaved. And, and there are some things about that, that my dad did in my life that I'm going to share today that I think, and then I try to do with my own kids, that I think really ref- reflects the heart of God. But without fathers and their loving correction, we have a huge hole in our soul. There's actually a gigantic gap, a place in us that is wanting to know what is right and wrong. It's desiring to know and it's asking, am I accepted? Am I loved for who I am? Even with all my warts, badges, and battle scars. Am I love for who I am? Verse 9 in Hebrews 12. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, most of us, okay? And we respected them for it later. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers discipline us for a little while. Well, as they thought best. There's our little get out of jail free card, guys. As they thought best. Kids, your moms and dads are not Jesus. They can't do it perfect. Even if they're best, they're going to do as they thought best. But the Heavenly Father disciplines us perfect all the time. But God disciplined us for our own good. And there it is. That we may share in his holiness. See, God's desire is for us to share in something. Not just to get it right so you can be be in his presence and you're good enough. Because a lot of us think that, like, oh, I just have to be good enough. No, God accepts us and loves us and corrects us while he accepts us and loves us just the way we are. And we need this experience in our life and fathers in the house. It's our job to provide this for our kids and as spiritual fathers to other people's kids that maybe have those gaps is that they are loved and accepted even while they're a mess. And even while we're correcting them, they still feel like they belong and they're a part of a loving family and that your love never turns off for them. Without being corrected for our own good, while being accepted, loved, instructed, and nurtured, we have huge holes in our souls that are asking this question, do I matter? Do I belong? Do I exist? Am I important? Am I okay? Moment by moment. Not just every once in a while, but moment by moment, there is a giant fissure in our life that is absorbing and asking this question. We're trying to fill it up with all kinds of things and answers. We're trying to get answers to this question. Am I really important and do I really matter? 
Am I really loved for who I am, not what I can do, or how good I look, or how good I can perform? Am I loved for just who I am? All my warts, all my ugly parts, all my imperfections, all my badges of achievement, how my attaboys and how good I did, and all my battle scars, the ways that I've been hurt, wounded, taken advantage of. Am I loved and accepted in the midst of all of that? Correction is the number one thing from fathers that allow us to get this lesson. Not encouragement and not just instruction. It's so important that we get this. Because when we do something wrong, our greatest fear as human beings is that we're going to be kicked out kicked out. Oh, you screwed up. You're gone. You made a mistake. You're out. And a lot of people think about the God of the Bible. They think about Jesus like this. People talk about the world. Satan himself tries to deceive everybody in the world as if we serve a God that kicks everybody out when they get it wrong. There are churches that are this lame. They do exist. And some of y'all might've went to them and you're like, but in your spirit, you know, that's wrong. And you, you, the Holy Spirit grieves when people get this wrong, when leaders or churches get this wrong, because it so violates the nature and the love of the Father God, who, when he corrects us, he does it for our own good, is what the Bible said. And in the midst of that, our acceptance is never at risk. In fact, when we get thumped by the Lord, get a spanking from Jesus, and we actually feel even more loved and included and accepted and a part of the family, we're like, ooh, whoa. I am way less afraid of rejection than I am of the Lord. See, and the, the, Zach was preaching about this, that the fear of the Lord actually right-sizes or gets all of our other fears in perspective. When I'm mostly scared of God, and have a fear of the Lord and an awe and a respect and reverence of the Lord. And I'm more afraid of getting out of alignment with him than I move toward him. And in the midst of that moving towards him, I actually see everything else. I'm like way less scared about what you think of me. And I'm also way less scared about whether you accept me in my sin because I know he does. So when God corrects me, I feel this power of acceptance. And if we can do this for our children, if we could lovingly correct them and allow them to feel acceptance at the same time, they learn it's okay to bring their pain, suffering, mistakes to us. And they learn something. When they're corrected and they stay belonging, they learn that they're doing their a performance is not, is not connected to their acceptance. And God wants to break this. This is part of our identity. He wants to break off. He wants to break off our performance for acceptance. I do good enough, therefore I'm accepted. And this is one of the reasons he put the law forward, is to prove to us what's perfect and show us no one could ever be made perfect by the law. Not one person was ever made perfect by the law. That's in the Bible. I'm going to read it later. But that's true. The law is perfect, and it never made anyone perfect. It just showed us that we weren't. Jesus is the only one that makes anyone perfect, and it, the Holy Spirit's the only one who can help us live in that perfection. And all of that is in the midst of this tension or this, this duality of the parts of us that are not submitted to Christ and that need correction. And when those get disciplined, and when we make mistakes, they get disciplined and we're loved and accepted anyway, it breaks off this performance for acceptance. Guys, I can't tell you how important this is. I wish, I just hope it sinks in. Please, grandfathers, fathers, especially the men in this house, start loving and correcting and accepting and encouraging all of your kids. If you are avoiding correcting, you're avoiding showing people the true love and the nature of God. You have to be strong to do it. You have to trust in your own love and acceptance for 
your young people and you have to try to do it without being angry and accepting them and all their faults and not judging them. I mean, like beating them down. What do you think this, like, this is such a huge key is in the garden. If you want to get the nature of God, just, it really helps to go to the garden. Like in Genesis, when we see God created the universe and he had his people in the garden of Eden and he has Adam and Eve in the, in the garden and Adam and Eve are in perfection, Right? Their relationship with God is perfect, except they're lacking the knowledge of good and evil. And so because they don't understand what evil is like, and they had never been corrected, they'd been instructed, they'd been accepted and encouraged, but they had never been corrected. They never understood the power of God's acceptance in the midst of their failure. And so when they get deceived by the enemy, in fact, the lies of the enemy are powerful when we have not overcome our own sin and brokenness. When we haven't been redeemed, that's when it has power because when you and I have been redeemed, we now have understanding. And that understanding vaccinates us and wards off the enemy's lies and deception. You go, oh, no, 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 no. I tasted that. I know exactly what that is. I ain't doing that again. I'm not eating that again. My dad tricked me and he said that that uh, jalapeno was a pickle. And I ate that sucker. Uh, 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 uh. I inspect all pickles before I eat them now. He ain't lying to me twice. But when he, when God comes and he comes back after Adam and Eve, eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And they, they, he, God shows up in this space. He says, where are you? He does not say, why? Why did you screw this up? God says, where are you? Where are you, my kids? I know you blew it. I know you screwed it all up. Where are you? Not, why did you do that? God is looking for us. He is searching for us. The Father's eyes are roaming when Jesus taught this same parable so that we would understand the God who always has been, his Father's love for all his people. Is, he says that, that my dad, there was a dad who had two sons and one was always doing everything right and the other one was like Josh. And <laughs> making all kinds of mistakes. My dad used to say this about, he goes, I had this weird kid and I had this normal kid. The weird kid did everything right and the normal kid was getting in trouble all the time like normal kids. That was me. I was a normal kid, okay. And this, Jesus says there was this normal kid who just had to get out there and explore life. And he takes all his dad's inheritance and he goes and he just squanders it on prostitutes and uh, all, all kinds of sinful behavior and just throws all his money away gambling and all this until he's eaten out of a pig sloppy pen. And who knows how long that was. And then he decides, like, just being a servant in my dad's house would be better than this. And he realizes he belongs somewhere. And he's just hoping that in his sin and failure that his father would still accept him. And he comes walking back in shame and believing that he is no longer fit to be a son. And guess what? Jesus said that the father was searching for him. He was looking down the road, and when he was afar off, the father ran to his son, and the son was like, I'm trying to say, I'm not worthy to be your son. He goes, shut up. And he didn't even take time to tell him to shut up. He just said, get a rope, put it on my son, put the ring that signifies that he belongs to this family. He's my heir. Even in his failure, I love and accept him. Correction gives us the understanding that we are accepted and loved and we belong in the family of God no matter what we have done. And the fear of the Lord leads us to this wisdom. It leads us to this understanding. We have to fear him and understand that he loves us and we have to fall in love with correction. You know, people train different when they love correction. When people, people train different when they love discipline. When we don't love discipline and the pain that comes with discipline, we train different. When we train, when no one's looking, when we discipline ourselves, when no one's looking from our purity life, our character, 
whether we walk past trash, whether we tithe or don't tithe and nobody's checking, God's looking. He sees it all. Whether we steal this thing or not, whether we lie about something or not, no one would ever know. But those who love discipline and love correction, they love the life and the wisdom that comes from it. They love what comes from the relationship with the Lord. And they are in love with the correction. They're like, hey, I can't see all my blind spots. In fact, I just have this tiny little sight spot. I can only see this little thing in my life and I'm mostly blind. This is the reality. This is proven science, by the way. You and I are mostly blind. They say we can only see about 1% of all things at a time. And then your assumer, your brain is so powerful, it assumes all the rest happening in the room. This is how magic gets done, like street magic and all that stuff. They know how your brain works and so they make things disappear right in front of your face by manipulating your mind. Our minds are very easily manipulated. This is why God says, trust in me, not on your own understanding, not what you think you saw. We need to have a healthy suspicion of self. We go, I don't know about me. I don't know about this whole thing. I think I need to trust him a whole lot more than I trust me. And Philippians 2.12 says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And we talked about this last, last week, but this word to tremble and the word uh, uh, to work out, right? So we work out our salvation really means kind of like to walk out our salvation. So I think about like walking out my salvation. I've been saved. I'm not going to work for my salvation, but I'm going to walk it out. And in this reverence or trembling is the trembling word is self-distrust with serious caution and tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation and timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Like I'm going to fear and tremble. I'm going to have a distrust of myself and I'm going to, I am going to be concerned about what offends God. My fear leads me to be concerned about what offends God and my love and reverence for him and my desire and love for the discipline that he gives me allows me to know that I belong and that I'm a son and that I'm accepted and I'm not illegitimate. I'm not an orphan. I'm not left to my own devices because if I am, I'm going to wreck it all. But when I believe that God loves me and that God loves me enough to discipline me. And then I understand and I begin to shift my love towards God, that God, I love you. And I believe that you are good and loving. And I believe that you're good and loving all the time, even when I don't understand what you're doing and you're Mr. Miyagi-ing me. God is the ultimate Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi is nothing compared to God. And if you haven't seen Karate Kid, what is going on in your life? Mr. Miyagi was the teacher of Daniel LaRusso when he was going to fight in the All Valley State Tournament, okay? And, and, and he was in karate and he was always getting beat up. And Mr. Miyagi goes, he's like, I want, Mr. Miyagi, oh, teach me how to fight. And so Mr. Miyagi goes, I'll do this. He goes, paint the fence. And he goes, paint the house, right? Send the deck. And then he's like, wax the car, wax on, wax off. Okay. Right. You haven't seen this. Great. And the kid gets all mad. He's like, he's whiny, good eighties, you know, kid of all whiny, even Luke Skywalker. They're always whiny. Okay. All the heroes. I don't know why. And, um, he's like, when am I going to learn karate? When are you going to, you said you're going to teach me all this stuff. And then, you know, the classic scene of where Mr. Miyagi starts like punching at him and he's like, paint the fence. And then all of a sudden, Daniel LaRusso knows karate instantly from painting and doing household chores. God is the ultimate Mr. Miyagi. He is always at work. Wax on, wax off, paint the fence paint the house. All the natural things that we are doing and all of the suffering that we're experiencing 
And all of that correction is leading us toward him. And we're actually, again, Romans 8, being shaped into his likeness, predestined by his own determination. Ephesians 2 says that you're his workmanship, you're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus before anything he decided exactly how he would make you and I. And he made us for a purpose. And that is an eternal purpose and a, and a natural now purpose. And God is shaping us and transforming us, but that transformational process requires us to love discipline and correction and to love the Father. And that love and that discipline and correction all comes from when we reverence and we fear him in awe of him. We let him do his work. All right. Let's do Romans uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. We'll skip ahead here. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our Spirit, affirming that we are God's children. Galatians 4, 5, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent His spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. It's a very intimate way to talk to God. Now you are no longer sl a slave, but God's own children. When you give your life to Jesus, you're not a worker in his factory. You're his son. You're his daughter. And since you're his child, you're also made his heir. There are promises and blessings and favor that comes on your life because of this. And Proverbs 1, 7, again, it says, Fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I want to read Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19. I'm trying to cram all my scriptures in here, finish this thing up. For I want you guys to get these. The word of God is the thing that's going to go away with you, okay? Like my examples are great, but really great. But you guys need to really get the word, okay? And I feel like I want to get these. For the law made nothing perfect. And I know I said this earlier, but I want to read this so you know what's in the Bible. And you're not just Josh. If you go away and say, Josh doesn't believe in the Bible, Okay, you failed. You didn't listen today. You get a zero. Okay. For the law made nothing perfect. You see that? That's in the Bible. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. A better hope is not just to be shown that we're not perfect, which is what the law does, but the law showed that Jesus was perfect. We're not, but it proved he was. So it proved we're not perfect and we couldn't do it. And then a, it showed who the Messiah was. It was one of its primary responsibilities. And God set it forward so that everyone would see that's God alive in human form to die for our sin so that we can do this, draw near to God, not so he can point out how bad we are. Come on, this is such a big deal. Sometimes we get so afraid of even coming to church. I have friends that I've been inviting to church and they start sweating right when I tell them like they're going to go to church. They're like sweating. And they're thinking about all the things they've done. I'm like, stop thinking about all that stuff. You have a heavenly father who is perfect and the law shows him perfect. And again, we all realize we're not perfect, but when you understand who he is, he is so loving and accepting. And yes, he will correct your behaviors that are harming you. It's for your own good. And you will no longer be an orphan. You will now know that you matter, belong, and you are a part of his family and you have a loving father. So many times we haven't been corrected by our fathers in such a loving way and be accepted by them that we don't know it's easy to come to God. It's easy to come boldly into his throne room, into his presence, especially when we've blown it. Because that's what his son bled and died for is so that we could know that we're not orphans to know that we are not left alone. Amen. Let's pray. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? Lord Jesus, holy smokes, we just need you, God. 
We just need you. How can we ever do any of this stuff without you, God? Will you just help us? Will you just pour out your spirit on us today? God, we love you. God, I pray right now, Father God, somehow that we would hear and know how much you love us. And Lord, even though we have sinned, we have fallen short, God, we have come up short, we have blown it, and all of us need to be corrected from time to time. And God, but I just ask that, Lord, in that correction from our earthly and natural parents and fathers, Lord, that, that we would understand how much you love us and how much we belong to you, God, and we would fall in love with the way you correct and love us and you accept us. Lord, will you shift that in my life? God, will you shift the way I believe today? God, I want to love discipline. Come on, if that's you and you want to shift in your mind, just put your hand on your head and say, Jesus, shift the way that I see discipline. I want to see it the way that you intended it. God, I want to love discipline and love correction. I want to love you and I want to live for you, Lord. Shift my heart to be passionately in love with you, God. I want to change, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to change. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never turned your life over to him, he is a loving father that's looking for you from a distance and saying, come on, I don't care about what you've done. I died for what you did. Just show up, just show up, just come. I'm looking for you. God the Father is saying, where are you? And he's saying, just accept my son Jesus and you will be saved, and you will be in my family, and nothing can ever change that. If that's you, and you want to give your life to the Lord today, and you want to accept Jesus in your life, why don't you slip your hand up, and we'll just pray real quick, right where you're sitting. Thank you, I see your hands. Yep, 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 thank you. Awesome, Jesus, I'm ready to just turn my life over to you. Yeah, that's awesome. You can put your hands down. Let's just pray. Just pray this, Lord Jesus. Pray it out loud. The Bible says, believe in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. I don't care what anybody thinks because God, I am more in love and afraid of you than anything else. Jesus, you are Lord. I declare you as my God. Come save me. Rescue me. Heal my heart. And fill me with your love. I want to know you. Pour out your spirit on me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.